0: good to go. Okay, let's pray before we begin. Heavenly Father, as we come before you today and we seek what you have for us, I pray that our hearts would be soft, my heart would be soft, God, and that uh, we would always be seeking your face. God, I pray that this church, everyone in it would know what their ministry is. Everyone here is called to ministry, God. I pray that You would guide them to that ministry, and when it changes, let them know and and help them to the next one. God, and I pray that uh, this community would be changed because of the people sitting in this room. And I thank you, God, for what you have done and who you have brought here and the opportunities that we've gotten this year. I pray that they would continue. In your name, amen. So, we all go through seasons in our lives. Right? Everyone here is in a season of life. My current season is, you know, I'm about 30-ish, right? I have three kids under seven and a wife and a job and the ministry that God has for me right now. That's the season I'm in right now. If I acted the same way I did when I was in my teenage season or my, when just Heather and I were alone, which... <laughs> My wife might kill me. That's true. But also, my life would kind of be chaotic. I'd be fighting against the season that I'm in. We do that, though, don't we? And sometimes my life is chaotic. Sometimes my life is kind of a mess because I am fighting the season that I'm in. Um, For some of us, these transitions from one season to the next are difficult. Sometimes you didn't like the last season you were in, and you can jump to the next one. But a lot of times they're difficult, and it's because we're afraid. I don't know what the next piece holds for me. What's going to happen when my kids leave the house? What are we going to do? What's going to happen when I retire? What's going to happen if my health fails? All those questions that we have about going to the next season. Have you ever met somebody who all their stories are 25 years old? They tell you a story, and it's the same one you've heard 20 times, and it's from 25 years ago. That person really liked that season they were in. Maybe they were really successful, or that was when they had the most fun. And maybe they're still a little stuck there. We're afraid that God's not going to have something for us the next time, but the good news that we're going to get into today is God has something for you in every season. There's no retirement from God. There's no, I'm too young for God. So, we're going to find that in every season, he has something for you. Whether you're 7 like Isaac or 90, there's always going to be something for you. And the best way for you to find that fulfillment is to take your priorities and align them with God's priorities. Now, if I could have you turn to the back of your Bible or something and say, go to First Priorities 310, that'd be really nice. They aren't listed perfectly for you. They aren't going to, you're going to have to seek. And that's part of what we're going to get into today. You have to seek. God gave you a list, and it may be different for me a little bit than you, but God's given you something, and you should be trying to find it. Okay, many of you know I work for Tompkins County. Probably nobody really knows what I do there, because every time I try to tell anybody, they fall asleep, because it sounds kind of boring. It sounds kind of like spreadsheets, and people don't like to think about spreadsheets. I like to think about spreadsheets, but most people don't. So I'm going to try to make it simple because it applies today. The unit that I'm in is in charge of quality assurance, which means we're trying to make sure that the service that's provided is good and that we can pay for it. And so how do we figure out how to do that? I have a manual on my desk of the OMH, Office of Mental Health Regulations, and when I print it out, front and back, it's like four inches thick. That's my guidebook. I can ignore that guidebook because I don't know about it or it doesn't make sense, but what do you think the state will think of me when they come? They'll say, well, thank you very much, we'll take all that money back. That's what they'll say. You have to thrive within the regulations of that guidebook. So how do you do this? How do you do this? First, no matter what, I have to know what's in that guidebook. I can't hope to do the right things if I don't know what's expected of me. So that's the first step. The second step, which is what we're doing right now, is self-assessment. Where am I right now? What are my priorities and how do they align with the regulation? I may not always like that. Sometimes I have to change. Sometimes it's a philosophical change about how I provide what I provide but I have to align myself if I want to stay in business. The third part is, I take that assessment and I make a plan. I have to plan how I'm going to come into line with those regulations. This, this hopefully makes sense to everybody. We do this in a lot of areas of our lives. You need to know where you are, you need to understand what's expected of you, and then you need to make a plan. Anybody who wants to get better at anything, this is how we work hopefully everybody here wants to get better at what they're doing. So, um, we should constantly be reassessing. That's why I talked about the seasons of life. Your plan might look a little differently as you go from one season to the next. You have to know where you are. So, that's what we're going to do today. Um, You know, if if it's important enough for me to save a million dollars of taxpayers' money, it's certainly enough you know, important enough for you guys to assess because God cares a lot more about you than he does about a million dollars of taxes. Don't tell Trump or Hillary that, but it's true. God cares more about you guys. One life is more important than a million dollars. So today, I want to give you a tool to use because that's pretty much all I can do is give you a tool to use, and you can go from there. This tool's purpose is to help you identify where your priorities are right now And this tool and this message are really only meant to help you identify for yourself where you are. But a lot of this you have to do yourself. You have to make the decision yourself. Once you make the decision, there's supports, right? We have small groups. You can come to church, you can have more Christian friends, you can learn. There's supports. But at some point, you have to assess where am I right now? What do I need to change? If you never do that, you can come to this church for the next 50 years and never do anything different. You can come to this church forever and never do anything different, because right here is where you are. Take a minute to assess, and that's hopefully what we're going to do. So, God has given you gifts. Are you using them? Do you know what they are? God has given you finances. How are you using them? God has given you family. How are your relationships with them? God has given you work. Are you doing it to the best of your ability? God has placed you in a church. What's your ministry in this church? Or wherever your home church is, what's your ministry there? How are your relationships in that church? How are you serving God here? God has given you a finite amount of time. How are you using it? And this stems from the reason I'm doing this, because some of you aren't going to like this. I don't like this. I don't like my answers to this assessment that we're going to go through. But all of us have a finite amount of time. I'm going to die. What did I do with the time God gave me? I could die tomorrow. What did I do with today? Or did I say, like most humans, that's for another time of life. I'll get to that when. When I'm more set up. When my house is all in good shape. When my kids are older. I'll get to it then. We've got to live life like he could come tomorrow and like you could die tomorrow. So let's get into this assessment. Everybody take out your notes. You're not gonna fill this out as we go. It's gonna be too much um, to listen and try to fill this thing out. All I want you to do as we go through, jot down some notes, make some first impressions, follow along as I I talk through it with you, because we're gonna use Colossians three and four to look at priorities and try to assess where we are. And then by the end of today, Take five minutes and do the assessment. Take five minutes and say, God, I'm going to be honest with myself. No one else is going to read this thing. Be honest. You're not trying to impress anybody. God knows where you are. So just be honest and fill it out the best way you know how. So it's taken me a long time to get to where my priorities are right now. Right? I'm going to be 32 this week. It took me a while to get to where I am. I am not going to fix all those priorities this week. And that's okay. God knows who you are, where you are, and he expects it to take time. But if you're assessing and taking the tools he's given you, then you're probably within his will, and then he'll help you grow. The strength will come from him, but he's given you tools. He's given you ways to look at it. So it's okay if this is overwhelming. It's overwhelming for me. I don't like my answers, like I said. So if everybody would open to Colossians 3, and you're going to want to keep your finger there. We're, going to, we're not going to jump around too much. It's going to be Colossians 3 and 4 today, mostly. So I'm going to read the first section here. This is Colossians 3, 1. Since then, you have been raised with Christ, Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you have a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you and over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you are called to peace. And be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly, as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom, through psalms and hymns and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. This is an amazing section of Scripture. It's, we're not going to be able to pull it all apart today. That's not the purpose of today. But this is an amazing section of Paul who's talking to a group that he's never met, who's heard about them from the man who's been discipling them, and he's heard a little bit about what they're doing, and he's trying to encourage them, and he's trying to say, this is what you need to do. He spends the first two chapters of this book saying, this is who Jesus is. This is what he expects. And then he gets into three and four and says, this is how to do it. That's what we're looking at today. This this is the how to do it. Um, So, all right, let's let's open up our assessments because we're going to go through these a little bit. Um, You've got a one through five scale. It's not too hard to understand. I gave you in parentheses on the left hand side, the low, what would be considered a low score and what would be high. I didn't try to make it too complicated, just sort of low and high so you can understand where where you're scoring yourselves. So God's giving us this this beautiful picture. Let's see what we can do with it. First, what does your devotional life look like? If you are never in God's Word, you would never read Colossians, and you would never know what he says about what you should do. So, when are you in God's Word? How often are you in God's Word? And is it meaningful? Um, We'll talk about this a little bit more at the end, because I'm going to have a challenge for you. But are you spending time in God's Word daily? Are your devotions bearing fruit in your life? You know there's a difference between having devotions and seeing them bear fruit in your life? There's a big difference. I can read the Bible every day and have no fruit from it. Make, make sure there's fruit. Make sure you're, you're analyzing what you're doing. Make it make sense. I can read through the Bible every year forever and never do anything about it. I can have it in my head and not in my heart. So make sure it's bearing fruit. Um, are you excited about hearing from God daily? This is his primary way of talking to you. Are you excited about telling others about what you're learning? The second question, what does your prayer life look like? Do you give the best and first of your time to God? Are you seeing answers to your prayers? If I asked you right now what God's doing in your life, could you tell me? Do you know what he's trying to get you to do? Have you seen him answer your prayers? Third, how content are are you with what you have? It's kind of a tough one. Is God enough for you? Or are you always craving something more, something different, better friends, a better house, a better car? God may have all those things for you, but he's asking you to be content with what you have right at the moment. If you go to my house right now and walk in there, there are moments I would tell you I'm not content with that house. It drives me a little crazy. But that's where God has me right now. Maybe it'll be something better someday, or maybe I'll be in a better house. But right now he's asking me, but am I enough? Can you be content with that house? Sometimes my answer is no. And I, I, I don't like the answer to this question. Fourth, what fruits of the Spirit are showing up in your life? Do you know what the fruits of the Spirit are? First, you've got to know those. And then, second, which ones do you have? Identify them. What are showing up in your life? How are you loving others? Do you have any joy in your life? Do you have any peace or patience? Are you kind to anyone? How much sin is in your life? How often do you feel guilty about something because you know what the right thing is to do, but you're not doing it currently? I think we all have a little bit of that. I used to do this really well, and now I'm maybe not doing it quite as well, and I know, and I'll come here and tell you all how to do it, and I used to do it, maybe I'm not right now. And there's guilt about that, right? Are you gentle when you deal with others? Do you put their needs first? Do you seek to hold them up? How are you at self-control? You know self-control is important? If you asked anybody in the United States if self-control was really important, they'd they'd probably ask you, why are you even asking me that question? Why do I need to be in control of myself? It doesn't seem important to them. Um, Do you take every thought captive to see if it's worthy to think about? You know that the Bible says that your thoughts are supposed to be captive. What's being put into your head? How are you guarding it? How are you filtering it? How are you keeping your mind pure? Fifth question, how is your faith? Do you crumble when there are trials and adversity? Or have you seen what God can do and know that he'll take care of you again this time too? How's your faith? Do you believe that God has what's best in mind for you or does he constantly punish you? A lot of times we view God as just the guy up there with the lightning bolts. He has your best in mind. He loves you. He does want what's best for you. It just doesn't always look like what you think is what's best. Finally, how do you view your money? I thought this would be fun. Let's see how fun you guys think it is. Um, I thought maybe we could do a group about finances, and we all get together at Dick and Darla's house, and we sit in a circle... And all you had to bring with you was your credit card statement and your bank statement and we all passed to the left. Oh, that's funny, right? So we all passed to the left and that person could then tell you what your priorities are. Because usually where you spend your money is where your priorities are. Doesn't that sound like a great idea? Is everybody comfortable with that? We're not really that comfortable with that. That would be a little uncomfortable maybe. Some of us it would be really uncomfortable. And that's because where our heart is usually is where the money goes. Your money is important. It is important that your money goes to where it's supposed to go. And if you see my credit card statement, you say, Jeremy, why is your heart over here? Didn't you say there was somebody in town who needed money? Why is your heart over here? It, would be, it might be a little uncomfortable for us. I don't think it should be off limits if anybody wants to do it. I think, it's, I think it might be interesting. But where your treasure is, that's where your heart's going to be. If you're giving to this church, that's where your heart's going to be. If you're giving to a family in the community, that's where your heart's going to be. You're going to care about what's going on with that person or with this church or with whatever ministry you're giving to. Your heart's going to follow that. So here are some symptoms. You're going to see each section has symptoms. And the symptoms are when your priorities are out of line, you may have some of these symptoms. I'm not going to list every symptom out there. I'm just going to list some. You may have some I don't have take some notes. What's in your life that you think, you know what, that's probably why. I'm doing this because my priorities aren't in line with any of these. Okay, so here's some for this section. One is that you are stuck. You aren't maturing. Your only interaction with God is listening to someone else who has studied God's word, explain it to you, and then saying amen. That's a head knowledge. That's, I listen to the radio and, boy, that sounds good. Amen. You don't mature by, that's sort of that picture of they're giving you spoon-fed, soft food like I give to Lydia, right? That's when you were younger. That's when you were less mature. Now, you want to mature. you got to go to God's Word. you got to go to God's Word and get the meat. You're stuck with head knowledge. If you, if you really desire your heart to change, you have to get into God's Word for yourself and find out what he has for you. Some other symptoms might be stress, anger, anxiety, lack of joy, discontentment, lack of fulfillment in your life. You may be uptight. may have a hard time sleeping. You may feel disconnected from God and like he's ignoring you. Anybody have any of those? I've got a few of those. They aren't on this list just because I read them somewhere. They're on this list because I, I usually have some of these. Let's go on to section two. This has to do with you and your mate. We're going back to Colossians. This is the next two verses, 18 and 19. Wives, submit yourselves to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Two sentences. We should be able to get two sentences, right? Everybody who's married knows you can take your whole lives together and not get those two sentences right. You could and the Bible expounds on this, right? It's throughout the rest of the Bible what you're supposed to do, but you can you can miss it. You can miss it all together and not get two sentences right. There's a lot in here. So let's get back to our assessment. How much time do you spend together and is it fruitful? And do you know the difference? Time together in front of the TV, is not necessarily going to be fruitful, right? If I want to grow with Heather, she and I sitting and watching, I'll say football, she won't say football, she and I sitting and watching football, or fighting over the remote about football, we're not growing together, right? What are we putting in our lives so that we grow together? It's, it's, it's got to be fruitful time. There's times where couples will live in the same house for their whole lives and live so, such separate lives that when the kids leave, they get divorced. Statistics bear this out. Most primary times for divorce, first five years of marriage, and then between 20 and 25. Because husband completely focused on work and all that has to do with that. Wife focused on kids and what has to do with that, or vice versa, could be. And then the kids leave and they have nothing in common. They don't know each other. And so they divorce. It's amazing how you can live in the same place and and ignore it. So how are you spending your time together? Second, how is your communication? Are you afraid to let each other know what you feel? Are you honest with them? Do you keep parts of your life from them? Third, are you serving each other? This is a tough one. Men are supposed to love their wives like Christ loved the church. How did Christ love the church? He, he died for that church. He provided for that church. He served that church. He, if, if that's how I'm supposed to love him, it's not a tyrannical love, is it? Jesus didn't come here and love the church with some sort of you will or else. He served the church. How are we serving each other? Jesus gave you an example to follow. Seek ways to serve each other. And it's not going to just come naturally. You have to work. You have to come up with something. And you've got to do it even when it's not fair. Even when your scorecard says you're three ahead of them. But I served them four four more times than they served me. It's their turn. It doesn't have anything to do with whose turn it is. Whether it's good or bad or they messed up, continue to serve them. You want to see a relationship build? Continue to serve them, even when life is hard, even when they're not so good at it. Lastly, are you serving God together? God's supposed to be not just the center, but the head of your relationship. So how are you serving him together? Are you, is your Christian walk intermingled at all? How can it be if you're not gaining strength from each other, if you're not praying with each other, if you're not praying for each other? We gain energy from each other so that we can go do ministry other places these things start to interconnect as we go. You may not always be in the exact same program at church, but you should be ministering together. You should be able to, you should be able to talk together about it. All right, some symptoms here. You might be bored, you might be heartbroken, with your spouse, you might be disconnected from them. You might be you might not know them very well. Third assessment. This one's about your family. We're going on in Colossians 3, 20 through 21. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not embitter your children, or they will become discouraged. Again, two sentences, just two, that you can spend 25 years, because that's about the average that they stay at home now, 25 years with your kids and not get right. Psalms 127, 3-5. I love this. I love this passage. Children are a heritage from the Lord, offspring a reward from Him. Like arrows in the hands of warriors are children born in one's youth. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. They will not be put to shame when they counted with their opponents, when contend with their opponents in court. A warrior is well trained, Right? So if, if these guys are quivers in my arrow, and I'm if these guys are quivers for me, arrows in my quiver, <laughs> and I'm not trained to use them, what am I targeting them at? You know that one just got targeted at the bathroom, I know, but what am I targeting my kids toward? How am I training them? So your assessment looks a lot like the one before it. How are you leading your kids? How are you training them? How are you encouraging them? How are you helping them learn how to make priorities? What target are you helping your grandkids find, or your nieces, or your nephews? How are you helping any of them learn any of this? How are your relationships with your siblings, your parents, your extended family? Is there anyone you need to forgive? Anyone you need to love better? Anyone you need to pray for? Anyone you can serve better? This is a tough one, right? We get hurt the most by the people closest to us. Which often happens either in church, at work, or in your family. Those are the three places in our lives we tend to hurt each other the most. Which one of those is holding you back? If you've got a relationship that's holding you back from ministering, it's not worth it. Go get it out of the way. Forgive that person Start on the road of forgiving that person today. It's not worth holding on to that grief. Some symptoms here for younger families busyness. You do too much. Your kids are in every sport, they're doing every instrument, they're at every church service. You're burned out. You, get a little, you can have broken relationships, kids that stray from you or from God, differences that we can't get past. Or you might have family members, you just can't bear to be around anymore. At some point, those kids are on their own. We know that, right? I'm not saying you're responsible for them for forever. You can't be. They're going to make their own decisions. But if you're working on this, you're going to aim them right. And then you're going to want to do the same thing with your grandkids. You're going to want to try to aim them right too. All right, section four. This is about your work. We're going to go on. Colossians 3. 22 through the first verse in chapter 4. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything and do it. Not only when their eye is on you and to curry their favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart, as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. Anyone who does wrong will be repaid for their wrong things. And there is no favoritism. Masters, provide your slaves with what is right and fair, because you know you also have a master in heaven. Now he starts off talking about slaves. Don't get confused. You may feel like a slave when you're working, and you may have a boss that makes you feel a little bit like a slave. This isn't why he's using the term slaves. At this time, in this uh, culture, the working class was made up of slaves. And the early church was mostly made up of slaves. Those were the people who were becoming Christians. Those were the people, in some cases, were transforming whole households because the slaves were the ones mentoring their masters. So he says slaves because that's really who he's talking to here. But if a slave who's treated poorly and barely paid can be commanded this. I'm certainly, you know, I can go to work with my full benefits and holidays off and get paid. Should be able to do this same stuff. So how is your work? That place where I spend 60% or more of my time as a full-time working person. That place that should be your first ministry. That place where you should do everything as if you were doing it for Jesus, the Son of God. Not just when your boss is looking, but as if Jesus, the Son of God, was your boss and you wanted to please him? Does anyone at work know you're a Christian? Can anyone tell there's anything different about you there? Do you ever have any chances to share the gospel or pray with someone? Some symptoms here might be lack of motivation, can't get up, miserable about going to work. Um... You always feel underpaid, underappreciated, because you're only going by what humans can give you. Um, You do as little as possible to get by, and no one there knows you're a Christian. The final section is ministry. Everyone in this room is called to ministry. We pay pastors so that they can work on this full-time. Lead and guide and teach. But the majority of the work for Christ is done by you guys. The majority of the work, the majority of the relationships, all of that stuff is not up to the pastor. It's really about your relationships, both with God and those around you. Everyone here is called to ministry. There's no one who's off the hook. Again, Colossians, now we're into 4. We're going to go 2 through 6. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. is this section everything that has to do with ministry? Does it cover everything? It's a hard question. It doesn't. This is, this is, a, this is a snapshot. You, it's guiding you to other places. It's guiding you to the rest of the book. But it, you can learn so much from the way someone writes a letter to somebody and how they order, because this is how Paul is ordering it for them. Paul's ordering this book of Colossians, and he does it in Ephesians as well. They're called the twin epistles. He does it twice for these two groups to make sure they really get it. So this is a snapshot. Um, The New Testament gives you the life of Christ. Gives you what He did for you. Gives you His example. Gives you His commands to you. Then we have all these books that support it and talk about He's coming back. What should you do between now and then? That's a simplistic view of the New Testament, obviously, but that's that's where you have to go. And this is a great example that you can't just do well in one of your five priorities. If these are your five sections, you can't just do well in one. These guys are all interconnected. Um, If you aren't in God's Word, you do not know how to do ministry. There are some people who do not know God's Word and try to do ministry, and it's not pretty. It's, it's fruitless. So, if I'm not with a relationship with God, hearing from Him, my ministry isn't going to work. So those two things are tied together. If I'm not gaining energy from something, I have no energy to put into ministry. So if I'm zapped out with my wife because neither of us can get it together, I have no ministry. My energy's gone. I'm wasting all my time. So, they're all interconnected. If your relationships are broken you're probably struggling in ministry. If you aren't looking to God for everything through prayer, um, then you're probably so overwhelmed by just one of these priority lists that you're going to get stuck there. You can't spend all of your time on one or another. You must work on all of them. And my week, this week, I don't get to say, these are my five priorities. This is the list in which they go. I will do them in that order no matter what the circumstances. It's not how priorities work. God is the head. Everything else can get a little adjusted based on your week. I don't get to say to Heather, Heather, I know you're sick today. I know the kids have been really awful, but God is first. And so I'm going to go do this thing over here and spend time with this other family who needs help. They would get help, but my family wouldn't get help. We do this though. We make it such a priority, sometimes ministry, that my own family's lacking. So, there's a balance. And it's going to change each week. Don't expect it to just be so concrete. Maybe you guys don't care about concrete. I like concrete, so I struggle with this a little bit. I like to be able to say this is the order in which things go, and this is their order of importance all the time. Other than God being the head, and everything that goes along with that, the other priorities shift. <clears throat> So, what are some um, symptoms for this one? Symptoms here would be, you don't know what your spiritual gifts are. Everyone here has spiritual gifts. If you don't know what they are, you can't use them. Some of us know what our spiritual gifts are, and we're not using them. That would be another symptom. I know what they are, but I'm not doing anything with them. Um, Not having a ministry in your local church God's called you to this church for a reason. It's not just to sit in the pew. You're supposed to have a ministry in your community, in your church. If you don't have one, um, pray about it. Don't just come up with one. Pray about it. God will lead you to where you should be. Your relationships with others in the church might be strained or broken. And this is a good one. You aren't making any disciples. If you aren't making any disciples, that's a symptom of your ministry is out of whack. Because you're working on the wrong list then. Here's my to do list. Check, 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 check. No discipleship? I'm not doing the right list then. God's made that one very clear. Go out and make disciples. If you're not doing that, you've got the wrong list in front of you, you've got the wrong priorities in front of you. So, everyone's looked at the list now, right? You may not have filled it out as we went. It's okay not to. I told you not to, right? How do you feel? Does it feel overwhelming, like too much? Feel like I'm doing pretty good in this and this, but I'm not doing so good maybe over here? It's okay that you're not doing well in something. Jesus was the only perfection. And he's asking you to reassess. Say, where am I? Be honest. And then make a plan. Now, knowledge is power, right? Right? If you just reassessed and you do nothing with it, you might be held accountable for that. God's gonna hold you accountable. Look, you knew where you needed to work, did you? You you saw right there on Jeremy's paper that you hated and that was written poorly or whatever, that all you could get you couldn't get past the the font, right? Sometimes we when we don't like something, the font didn't look good. I can't pay attention. The font's not right. You know, you knew, right? whether this list works for you or you have to come up with something else, assess and then make a plan. It's okay to make a plan because by the end of this, yours and God's plans are supposed to come together. Your priorities, his priorities, no longer separate. They're together. And then his plan is going to work out for you. I believe it's vitally important. God has done everything for me. Why wouldn't I want to know where I am with him? Why wouldn't that be important to me? So here's my challenge, and it's not, it's not too tough. For the next two weeks, we don't have a sermon next week, we have a concert next week. So it's a good time to see how well you do on your own. We have two weeks. Every day, read one of these portions in Colossians. They're broken up. They're broken up at each of the headings. Read one and ask yourself, where are you? Where am I with this? Take two weeks and do an assessment. You know, you could do it for the next 24 hours if you wanted to. Whatever. But within the next two weeks, read through this over and over again to the point where, A, you know it well enough to say, am I good or bad? Do I know it? Then, where do I set myself up? Then at the end, hopefully you've been praying the whole time, what's our plan, God? Where are you leading me? Here's all my list of deficiencies and why I can't do it. I'm leaving them over there. I can't do it because whatever you have. Just get rid of it for a minute and say, God, what do you really have for me? God, without I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say what I can't do, God, you just tell me what I can do. I know that's difficult. This has been a hard week just because I've been reading through this over and over again. Because I'm not doing well at it either. So read it through. Don't get overwhelmed. Take a section at a time and assess. And do your assessment by the end of the day. Use it as that starting point. Whatever your gut says, this is my number, that's your number. And you know what? There's no, I I didn't give you a score key. Did you see that? I didn't give you a score key. Be honest with God. What's a good score for you? If it's two, I would argue with you that that's a good score. But I didn't give you a score key. It's up to you. You're going to hold yourself to these standards. Or not. I'm glad I can't do it for you. I can't do it for myself. I wouldn't want to have to do it for anybody else. The one thing that's going to come out of this you're going to, that you won't be able to ignore is how am I spending my time and my money? These priorities are going to have something to do with your time and your money. And I suggest don't overanalyze it. Start from scratch. And say, God, if my plate were clean, what would you put on it? What would you put on my plate? I've got all this stuff, but I'm, for the moment, whoosh, it's all gone. What would be on my plate? Prioritize it for me. You probably already know what should be on your plate, but, but take a minute. Assess and, and say, God, clean slate. Where am I? What am I doing? Now you schedule my time for me. You schedule my time. So I hope, I, hope that, I hope that you can all do that. Um, if you don't, you don't. You know, I, The only reason I put this out here is because, like I said, we are, we're all faced with the amount of time we have on this earth. And the idea that it's not important isn't right. Otherwise, Jesus would have just said, Okay, congratulations, you're saved. Head up to heaven. It's over now. It's not how he worked salvation and then everything that's supposed to come after how you're supposed to mature how you're supposed to be for the rest of your life so let's pray heavenly father i pray that our time our money our priorities would we would seek you for them god we wouldn't just kind of come up with new ideas all the time that for season whatever season we're in god that you would lay on our hearts where it's supposed to be. We can't do it in our own strength. But you've built us this, this beautiful system if we would just use it. You've given us all this, this guidance and, and power if we would just use it. And I pray that if, somebody, if you're working on somebody's heart here today, God, to do something different, that you would, you would impress upon them what it is and how important it is. And God, bring people around them to help them with it so that we are the body of Christ, that we are working together, that some are the hands, some are the feet, some are the eyes, so that this place works the way it's supposed to with you as its head. I thank you for these people, God, who come and are willing to listen and and care enough about where they are to be in church on a Sunday morning. God, I pray that you'll empower them I pray that you'll be filled with grace and blessings for them. And I pray that you would make them a blessing to everyone around them. In your name, amen.